Welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and Callie Williams agent. And what is Renegade Detroit Investors? Who is this guy you're talking to right now, right? RDI is the local real estate investment business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. The St. Your Grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru bullshit from the front. No smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. We work on networking and deals. You save all the rest of the shit for the other meetings. RDI is also this podcast and other podcasts where we sit down with interesting and successful people or we do read-alongs or we have story time with Jeff or the Borland Group. All information for real estate professionals, mostly investors, but some agent stuff as well. And if you enjoy this podcast, I want you to stop. I want you to think right now for me. If you have not rated and reviewed on iTunes, I want you to think for at least two minutes why you haven't. And if you can't think of a good reason, hook a brother up, man. I know you don't want to be the one who takes things for free with nothing in return, right? And here's one way that costs you no money and only takes a little time that can really help out the podcast. Go on iTunes, rate and review. Um, only if you enjoy the podcast. If you don't, go somewhere else. Listen to another podcast. What the fuck are you doing, man? Why are you listening to something you don't like? Go somewhere else, dude. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Jeremy Burgess on Snapchat, although I rarely get on because I can't figure out how to fucking use it, at Jeremy A. Burgess. Somebody snatch that up. And of course, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. All right, you ready, you fucking snowflakes? Legal disclaimer. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't sue me. Please, dear God. All right. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And I borrowed this from Billy's email um, <clears throat> tagline at the end. A single idea can transform a life, a family, a business, a nation, and a world. Dan, is that Zadra? Yes. Zadra. All right. Let me introduce you to my guest. Billy Allen. Billy is 26 years old and he was born and raised in Southwest Michigan. When he wasn't in school, he was buying and flipping cars from Craigslist or auctions. And at the age of 18, he joined the army. His bonus check came in shortly after the mortgage crisis hit. And in the summer of 2009, he purchased his first flip as a foreclosure. He lived and worked on the house at the same time. He learned how to do a lot of this work uh, as he's grown up watching his grandfather work uh, around the house and he helped. The rest he learned the good old fashioned way through trial and error. And when he was ready to sell, he made a nice profit and was uh, hooked on flipping houses. Over time, he gradually moved away from flips because he was working too many hours and occasionally came home with a few bumps and bruises. His uh, fiance at the time and soon-to-be wife talked him into entering the mortgage world with a big bank working under her dad. He did that for nearly a year. He hated it, but the money was decent enough to keep him happy. In July 2012, he got married and four days later deployed to Afghanistan for a year. While he was deployed... He thought it was time for a change of scenery and found a, a nice little place down in the mountains of Tennessee listed online. He bought the house and had everything moved before he returned from overseas. And when he was in Tennessee, he started his own business, Allen Development Company. 
and he bought a few properties between auctions and from other sources and ultimately kept them as rentals. He started doing work with a large construction company in Tennessee, doing road work, storm drains, rebuilding bridges, and he stuck with that uh, work for a little over a year before his divorce. In December 2015, he came back to Michigan to chase down those $100 uh, Detroit houses, right? Because you can't go wrong with those. And since moving back to Michigan, he's done multiple deals, including buying and selling a package of 60 houses without ever seeing them. And this year, he is looking to add to his rental portfolio and continue his work with his nonprofit, where he donates rehabbed houses to homeless veterans in Detroit and assists them with job training and job placement. His ultimate goal is to purchase one of the old closed-down Detroit public school buildings and convert into a space where he can house 100-plus homeless vets at a time and get them through the entire process. And once they have steady employment, they can purchase either through land contract or rent from his company. Welcome, Billy. How you doing? Man, that's interesting. So we're, we're going to get to that. But let's okay. go back to the beginning, right? Watching your grandpa work on stuff, right? You said you learned a lot from him. Is that kind of what turned you on to real estate? Or how, or how did you get turned on to real estate? Well, I um, watching my grandpa definitely helped the process. Um, you know, I, I knew a few people that had rental properties. Um, my aunt, she had three or four properties. And, you know, she would need help, you know, fixing up the roof or siding or, you know, just going out and uh, helping them out if they needed some help. Uh, one of the houses was a farm, so she would go out and help do that. Um, and, you know, that uh, that little extra cash flow always seemed nice and always stuck in the back of my head. And, you know, the experience I had was always a plus to uh, not pay someone else to do work that I could do myself. So I always thought if I got into it, that experience, um, watching my grandpa or helping my aunt or helping other friends of the family do work around their houses, um, it, it would come in handy in the future because I didn't have to pay someone else to do work I can already do. That's very, uh, you remind me of my grandpa that yeah. way. That man would not pay anybody to do anything he could do. Yeah. So, there's no reason to do it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'll just do it and yeah, save exactly. the money. Right. <laughs> kind of hard to scale that way though, isn't right. it? it right. Is, Cause it you is. only yeah. work on one house at yeah. a time. And you mentioned you got, uh, you maybe a little careless or, or maybe explain what you mean there. I guess a little reckless, um, <laughs> you know, safety equipment optional. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're out there, uh, jackhammering or sawing and you forget your safety, forget your safety glasses and you get a wood chip in the eye or, you know, uh, Scrape your knee, climbing a ladder or whatever. It happens, but eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I never did the work because I can't do any of that shit, man. I always look up. like I, I can do some basic stuff. It's right. amazing what I can do outside, but inside a house, I am practically useless. So The funny thing is the tile, the drywall, the flooring, the roof. I can do all that. When it comes to painting, I'll fuck it up every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one good thing. You know what you learn in the Navy? You learn how to paint. <laughs> They're really good at teaching you how to paint. The or Navy. clean the floors. <laughs> I could also mop a floor pretty well too. What's the what is this one thing in the army they teach you to do? You can do in your sleep. Picking up other people's cigarette butts. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I remember that. We did yeah. that in the Navy too. Also, as a side note, I have not painted since I left the Navy. That's how much painting uh, we did. Hayes Gray and underway. They always had those needle guns too, and those two part epoxies where you mix oh, them together, yeah, yeah. and you had to wear the damn mask. <laughs> I swear to God. 
I painted every day for like 180 days once. It was like, it was literally like Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's like, what? I'm fucking painting again? Yeah, but that last day of painting, that's what you're looking forward to. Oh, man. I, I still haven't painted. I'm hoping yeah. I get to the end of my life having not painted. I'd much rather pay somebody to do that. Hell yeah, <laughs> man. Not getting tired about that. But what made you join the, the Army? Honestly, I was not the best kid. I was uh, always in trouble, always looking for trouble. Uh, beer tasted too good when I was 18, and um, I seen a check and a way to hopefully go for a quick change. You know, it was kind of one of those things you had to change, and it worked. Um, you know, kicked my ass into shape, and uh, I got out and I bought a smoker and um, haven't had to pass height and weight, so I just kept eating. <laughs> <laughs> they still do the height, weight, neck yeah. measurement, yeah. all that. Yeah, I, I have some similar experience with that. Yeah, I was looking forward to get rid of those days. <laughs> Yeah, I did the same thing. I joined the Navy, yeah. um, mostly because I didn't want to go to war. I'm a little older than you. <laughs> or if I did, it was with a bed right. and four meals a day. Right? <laughs> and no Iraqi subs. That, that's nice. Yeah. You know, No Afghani subs yeah, either. I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> no, but I did the same thing. I was like, okay, how do I get the fuck out of town with a paycheck immediately? Yeah. And that's, a, that's a quick way to do it. <laughs> it is. My dad was in the Navy, so I just went down to the recruiter. I was like, ah, all right. Gone. Yeah, one, of, one of my best friends, uh, he had just joined about two months before I did. And, um, you know, I never thought about it. It was never even on the plate. And uh, went down there one day and said, what the hell? Signed the papers. Called my family <laughs> two days later. <laughs> you called him two days yeah. later. Not the next day. Two no, days two later. Days later I, I had to let him, you know, uh, I had to work it out myself first, I guess. Uh, you know, What my, am I going to say? Yeah, my, my parents... Um, you know, they don't take information like that too lightly. So I had to figure out how I was going to deal with their response. <laughs> Leave a note. Why the army? Just they were closest or? Well, um, you know, I had a, my cousin, uh, he was in the Rangers and, um, you know, he, he joined fresh out of high school. Um, he's about 10 years older than me. And, um, you know, he was injured overseas, um, quite a few times. He's got a couple purple hearts and, uh, it just seemed like the right path. Um, you know, my, uh, great uncle served in the army in Vietnam and, uh, you know, he was a purple heart recipient as well. And so it just seemed like the right path to take. Kind of like a family tradition. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. What was your job in the army? Um, I did, um, 88 Mike truck driver. Um, we, we transported tanks, things like that. Um, that was supposed to be my job. Uh, one, welcome to the military. Right, right. Once, uh, <laughs> Once we deployed, figured out that my platoon specifically were going to be running convoy security and got all trained up on gun trucks and all the heavy weapons and, you know, all that fun shit. Hell yeah. Well, you know, they did that to a bunch of Navy and Air Force people too, right? Right, right. Yeah. They just but, went and snatched them. Oh, by the way. Yeah, <clears throat> you got something real to do over here. <laughs> yeah. You're going to actually have to go fight. Right. I'm like, holy shit. Well, That's why I joined the Navy is yeah, not to fight. Exactly. Well, and, and we were uh, we were stationed on a Marine base over there. So, you know, we were doing a lot of missions with the Marines, doing security for them, doing security for uh, local national convoys, things like that. So I uh, met a lot of cool people. Um, we ran with a Marine tank crew. Um, you know, they always had one of their tanks was hooker. One was dirty slut. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to see nothing has changed. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> they even named him that way. How do you provide security for Marines? Jesus. Aren't well, they savage enough? They like to sleep, I guess. I uh, guess they have to every yeah. now and then. <laughs> I didn't know they slept. So what do they think of the army taking care of them? Well, a lot of guys didn't mind it. Um, a lot of the routes we run were pretty bad routes. And, and yeah. by the time we got there, um, they were a lot 
more beaten down than what they are used to and you know low on manpower so i guess it was a well-needed break yeah i was gonna say i'm pretty sure like convoy and with all the ieds um improvised explosive devices all that that was probably a pretty fucking dangerous job wasn't it yeah yeah definitely um one mission specifically um we were coming through an area and uh, a truck had gotten hit and we had to change a tire so we could keep on moving and oh, uh, that's helping change a tire yeah. and uh you know mountains on both sides you know i'd been there probably six months at this point didn't think much of it and uh guy comes up uh, from a unit that's just getting ready to leave the country and he's like yeah you know what we call this area so what's that he said, this is the devil's elbow. See that cave up there? We get shot at all the time. I'm like, okay, well, you watch that cave. Let me take <laughs> care of this tire and we get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that was terrifying. So that was one of the harder jobs. So you're supposed to just be some truck driver. Yeah. And, you know. Oh, by the way, you're, you're doing hey, convoy. Hey, do this. <laughs> yeah. How long was the workup for that? Did he train you at least? Or? Uh, yeah, we um we spent 45 days, I believe, down in Fort Hood, um, learning all the um, MRAPs, mine-resistant, ambush-protected vehicles. Um, we, we learned all those through um, Fort Hood, Texas, and then we learned all the you know heavy machinery and all, all the you know 50 cal, 249, 240, um, and see you later. Good luck. Yeah. Hope we see you when you get back. Well, they at least uh, they they send vets to train you. People have been over there doing the work, or yeah, yeah. They they have um, they have a lot of uh, guys down there with experience. Um, you know, most of the time it's civilian taught courses, but we were learning a lot from guys that are experienced with that weapon. So that was a little more reassuring. <laughs> yeah, when you get there it was. Um you know, I know this is a real estate podcast, but you see so much stuff in the media. I always like to talk to the people who are over there. What was your take on your experience? I know you're only over there for a year and obviously your experience isn't everybody's experience, but um, what did you think of going out of there? What did you learn? What do you think some of the mistakes, all that? What was your impression in general? Well, to me, I think the biggest really pain in the ass was um, if you were on a mission and your mission was attacked by, say, a cell phone triggered the IED and they were 300 yards away and you see them right off after the explosion hits, they six guys hop on a motorcycle and haul ass, um, you can't go after them because you didn't see them do it. Or if you're driving through a village and you're getting shot at and you know the direction it's coming from, you can't shoot back without asking for permission or seeing who's pulling the trigger. It's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, other than that, the biggest thing is if you're in a room with a bunch of married guys and all your wives talk while you're deployed, they all get pissed off on the same day. <laughs> I bet they do. Yeah. yeah. It's uh I guess it's one of those things, a bunch of women live in the house together, same kind of deal. It was a pain in the ass. Uh, good thing is we all work different shifts most for the most part, so one guy could give you a heads up that your wife was going to be a pain in the ass that day. <laughs> oh, by the way, right. warning, this this is coming This is coming down the line. Um, what was it like, because you were fighting the Taliban, right, providing security, yes. and it was mostly, unless I'm wrong, the Taliban was what you were engaged fighting with. What was it like fighting them? Well, the, uh, I guess, guerrilla warfare, don't really see them. You know, they blend in. You know, it's, um, they, they attack a, a vulnerable point. Um, you know, if you're, if you're hauling 
equipment to uh, to an ops post, a special forces post, uh, you know, 10 hours north of where you're stationed, and you've got to cross one bridge over a river to get there. That's where they're it at. doesn't make it. They're blowing that bridge up. Uh, you get maybe three trucks across it, and, and you guarantee that bridge is gone. Um, you know, so not knowing where they are, not knowing where things are buried, not knowing if the guy you're standing out talking to in this village that you're, you know, buying bread from his kids, if he's going to be the guy wearing a suicide vest. Yeah. I bet there was a lot of that, right? Not that I seen, um, you know, we were more on the, uh, small arms fire and the IEDs. Um, but you know, in some of the bigger cities, they encountered that quite a bit. So in your experience, what did the locals think of you and what you did? And I bet it was mixed be my guess, but what was your general impression? It wasn't really mixed. Um, you know, at the time I got there, it was more of, they were used to seeing us. Um, it, they knew when you drive by, they, you have water on your truck, you have drinks, you have food, or you might want to buy something in their market. Um, you know, they know if we have a tent, uh, a tank on our truck and we're going north that we're going to stop in a certain village at a certain point, unload it, and they're all going to come out and talk and offer to buy things from you or sell you things. Um, so it's, it kind of was, uh, you were intertwined at that point. They were used to it. They expected to see you and, um, it seemed like the village is closer to base. It was easier to get intel if there were possible IEDs or things in the area, you know, shady people that hadn't been around in a while um, because they were typically such friendly people and they were so used to, you know, seeing you every day, talking to you, buying and selling things at the market that they were a little more, um, a little, a little quicker to interact and, and tell you, Hey, We've seen something down the road. You might want to check it out. Interesting. Um, did you learn? Obviously, it was a year there. Um, what did you learn in general, good and bad? And what do you think you fucked up? And what do you think you did really well? Well, I uh, fucked up listening to some people that didn't really know what the hell they're talking about. Um, you know, running through certain spots, um, you know, maybe instead of stopping to fix a maintenance issue in a certain area, keep trucking a few miles out. Um, you know, we learned there's a lot of good people, a lot of people that want to help. Uh, you know, we worked with interpreters all the time because you had to, to, to run through these villages unless you were fluent. Um, you know, the interpreters were great people. Um, we learned that the Afghan police, didn't really know what the fuck they were doing. That was my impression. Um, yeah. I would say the military too. Everything I read is yeah, just, oh yeah, definitely just a shit show from yeah, top well, to bottom. I mean, you you roll through the area at six o'clock at night, not a problem. Come back through three hours later, and you get blown up. Problem. Yeah, yeah. there's a problem. It's and there's a post right there. Problem. <laughs> That's a huge problem. Yep. yep. That yeah. sounds similar to like, uh, maybe not exactly the same, but kind of like in Vietnam where you didn't necessarily, they're just corrupt as fuck. Oh yeah. yeah Top definitely. to bottom. Everybody well, just paid out. I, I think, uh, fear is a big, big play over there. It's re they're so tight with their family and their neighbors. You know, they're all so dependent on each other. Fear plays 
real big into that um, is basically what I took out of it. Um, you know, real easy to steal their kid and say, if you don't do this, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. The Taliban does a lot of that shit yeah. too. A lot of kidnappings. Yeah. They're not, they're not very nice guys. And I know you're very nice about the rules of engagement. The problem with rules of engagement when you're trying to be the better person is the enemy knows your rules of engagement. Exactly. That ended up being some big debate in the political process by a bunch of fucking morons who have never fired a gun in their entire life. If the enemy knows your playbook, that's not always sometimes it's a bad it's a good thing, but a lot of times it's not a good thing. Yeah, I mean they they know that they have a higher chance of killing you and you not being able to retaliate. Yeah. Get away three hundred yards away. Yeah, yeah exactly. I bet that was rough. One thing I know is it was interesting was you got a signing bonus and then you use that signing bonus to buy real estate. Now, was it your intention from the beginning to use your signing bonus? No, walk walk it, me through that. No, it, it uh I was actually saying, uh, hey, I'm going to get a check here soon. I can buy lots of beer and a motorcycle. <laughs> what could go wrong? That's what I do with my bonus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, uh, I, I, I won't even tell you all the details, but it included $10,000 on a strip club. And it was a fucking great night, by the way. That's a fucking great night. <laughs> it was, yeah. So I did not invest mine wisely, right, sir. Right, yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, you know, I uh, knew, knew a guy that was in real estate. And, um, you know, he said, hey. The market shit. You know that. I didn't know that. Too much beer at that point. Um, <laughs> I'd say we have a lot of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we actually went to a tax auction, and um, I had spent a lot of time in the subdivision across the street from school. It was a quick escape from school, and uh, I recognized the street name, recognized the house that was in the auction, and... Uh, Put a bid on it and won. And um, so wait, wait, I, did you see it beforehand, or you look? I at didn't it? see it. I did not. Dude, you um, got balls. So yeah, you yeah, it was bought, risky. It yeah. was risky. Hey, I know this neighborhood. Yeah. I know this house. I'll buy it. Yeah. Um, I I know that it, it was a newer subdivision. It had built been built within ten years of that point. Um, I had been in there, and you know, within twelve months of me buying it, so. I figured, how bad could it be? <laughs> now I know better. Yeah. <laughs> so how long from when you got your bonus to when you invested it in real estate? Uh, weeks. Okay, good. It was a yeah. pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, I wouldn't have had the discipline to hold on to. No, me no. either. Not I parted with mine not. pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have went to one strip club and it would have been gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so walk me through your first deal. I always love the first deal, right? What you did right, what you did wrong, start to finish. No details, unimportant to me. Well, what I did wrong was not, not inspecting it before I bought it, not seeing it. Um, so I bought the house, showed up the next day. Ripped the boards off the windows. There's no windows. There's no windows. Right, so Somebody stole the windows. Well, they they were all beat to hell. Um, you know, so figure I put the boards back on for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, at that point, I had never replaced windows, so I hired the first person I seen to come install new windows. Well, little did I know there were three other houses in that neighborhood that were in that same auction, and. Uh, they had copper thieves. So mm, yeah. I took the boards off the windows once they were replaced, come in, knock out my damn drywall, ripped all my copper out. That was great. Wait, wait. This is in Tennessee too, right? No, this was in Ypsilanti. Oh, Ipsy. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, man, this sounds like Detroit, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> I was like, this sounds familiar. They right. steal fucking windows in Tennessee too? Yeah. <laughs> 
I think it's a Michigan problem. They yeah, steal it's everything. Definitely a Michigan problem. I haven't had that problem in Tennessee. Yeah. Yet. So yeah, they stole the windows, stole the copper. Yep. Yep. So uh, you know, spray paint gang, whatever the hell, all over the walls. Half of them don't even know what they're writing. Um, you know, pissed on the carpet, trashed the place. It basically looked like one of my old high school parties occurred in that house. Um, and, you know, it, it actually happened three nights in a row before I wised up and left the boards on everything until I could afford nice doors and locks. And, you know, uh, after- wait, 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 wait. So you did you didn't have a rehab budget or money to rehab the house. I, I no, I did not. Um, You're I, an action first. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm not much of a thinker on the I wasn't much of a thinker on the front end. Um, you said, man, I did all the same shit. Like, let's just, I talked about it for 30 seconds. Let's go do it. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, Hey, it sounds good right away. Um, <laughs> this sounds so familiar yeah. to me. Yeah. So, it's a well-worn path. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that's, that's the best way to learn, make your mistakes. Um, then you won't do it again. <laughs> for me, it took three nights to realize they were going to fuck it up every time. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, I, I, um, was waiting on another paycheck and, uh, finally got paid. And could afford a decent door, good locks. Um, and I got a couple of trail cameras. You know, I'm, I'm a hunter. So Ooh, I like got, this. Got a couple of trail cameras, put them around the house, put them inside the house. That night, I had some somebody walk up to the door, and I got a picture of them, and I brought it to the police department, and never had a problem again. Boom, just yeah. like that. Yep, so, um, you know, one, once I got new windows in the house again... I got it secured and I got all the piss soaked carpet out of the house. I moved into it and I basically lived there while I worked on it. And that's pretty much the motto that I followed basically until the end of last year. Um, I was just moving into a house, fixing it up and selling it when I was done and moving to the next one. And then I realized I started to get a little too comfortable doing that, um, a little too lazy doing that. It was home at a certain point, and the TV sounded much better. You know, I had better things to do. I could go to a meeting and come back and lay down and have a beer and relax, and I could fix the shower later or paint that bedroom later or do the flooring downstairs later. Or You know, there was there was always an excuse, so I had to kind of move past that model and, um, you know, start working with other people and scour for different sources. Uh, you know, I started finding vacant houses and certain, you know, digging all over the place to find the owner. Um, so that, that first house taught me a lot. Um, you know, it, it, um, It was, a, it was a learning experience. Let's say that. Uh, How much did you buy it for? How much did you put into it? How long did it take to rehab it? And how much did you make when you sold it? I bought it for $40,000. Um, I, I probably had forty to fifty into it. It took me almost a year. Didn't have to, but again, living there, you get lazy. You have other shit to do. My life happens, right? Right, right. Yeah. And um I I believe I made somewhere about forty thousand profit once I sold it. That's not bad for a year. Work. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Not great. Right. Not terrible. Right. My it, first it deal, I lost year. money. Yeah, I lost money my first wow. deal. Yeah. 
right out of the gate. I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah, I fucked it up. <laughs> I fucked it up right away. Right, yeah. Immediately. Well, hey, at least you know. <laughs> so that's a good story. So a year, you bought the tax auction for 40 put 40 50 into it, made about 40 probably about 30 after the tax man comes in. Nom, nom. sold two years ago, um, a little over 250 Yeah. 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 And then you learned about time, right? right. I did the same thing. Right. Yeah. It sucks. Um, so that that just became your model, right? right? And then you moved to the next one. So how did you find the the next property? Because one, you bought the tax auction, right? Yeah. Um, actually, the, the next property um, was my grandpa's neighbor, and they were getting ready to move into a, a retirement facility. And, you know, their house was paid for, um, so we we did um basically a land contract um before they moved to the retirement um community they had to transfer some of their assets to their kids um i don't really know how all that works when you're moving in but you can only have so much money or whatever um in order to live there until you're paying out the ass to live there um so basically i was buying it off of a land contract um, from the, the children and it really didn't work like that. That's just really the paperwork we had written up. Um, the deal was I would give them $10,000. I would live in the house. I would fix it up. I would sell it. Then I would give what they were asking for. And then the rest was back to my pocket. Um, that one didn't work out quite like I wanted it to. Um, you know, I, at that point, I didn't have an agent with a lot of experience. I didn't really know what the market was like for that house in that area. So I I barely broke even on that one. And um, then it then I learned about comps. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you broke even anyway, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean that that was that was a positive, I guess, the only one. Yeah, that sucks. Where was this one at? That was in Belleville. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I focused a lot in that area, um, especially here recently. It's uh starting to pick up. It's it's heating up a little bit. I actually putting an offer on one tomorrow out in Ipsy. Um, you know, it's it's picking up for me. I've done quite a few deals out, out that way, and I'm aiming to do five new constructions in ipsy this year oh wow yeah i did see that you're looking to buy some land for development too so that's cool so as you're moving through what else are you doing in the meantime are you just doing that well now i'm well now i'm also looking to build a house for myself that i so i'm out of that model of moving in and fixing it um you know, as I've grown a little bit, made a little more money, I have moved out of only doing one house at a time. Um, you know, I have the house that I'm living in and then I'll have three or four other houses. Um, you know, friends and family on the weekend, if they need a little extra cash, they'll come do some jobs for me. Again, I don't really like paying people for jobs that I can do, but I like helping people. If, you know, someone needs the job and they're able to do it, they need a little extra cash. Um, come do the work. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you also bought some property down in um, Tennessee too, right? Yes, yes. How'd you, how'd you acquire all that? And what'd you, what'd you do? I'm, I'm just interested because obviously that's Tennessee, Michigan, right. right now you're in multiple States, right? right? Were right. you doing all this at the same time or did you do start somewhere first? Well, or? I, you know, I, I bought my first two, three in Michigan and then, you know, I moved on to the mortgage world and all that bullshit and yeah and uh you know i was deployed and 
my grandfather is originally from Southern Kentucky and we used to go down there as kids for family reunions and things. I always loved the area. I loved the scenery, the people. Um, so I said, what the hell? Let's see what we can find and found a house down there. Um, a little over 300 acres. Um, it sits on top of a mountain, got a lake across the streets and a gated subdivision. And, um, the, the owner, um, he's mid nineties. He was a developer about 30, 40 years ago. He bought uh, somewhere around a thousand acres right here where the subdivision is with the intentions to turn into a high end lakefront subdivision, sell all the houses. You know, as time went on, it turned into just sell a piece of land and let someone build. And, uh, there's about 12 houses on this whole development. Now, um, the house that I bought, he was building it. He started building in 94 for one of his friends as a wedding gift. And that's a nice wedding. Oh, gift. Yeah. It's Jesus. Great. Yeah. It's a three story house, 4,000 square foot. Hey, hold on a sec. We're all my fucking friends. I got, I think I got a toaster. I got, no, I did get a nice blender. I shouldn't talk shit, but I didn't get no damn three-story house yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> on a lake. I need better friends. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so got this house, got moved in, um, started looking at other houses out there. Um, you know, I was still doing a little bit of mortgages on the side. Um, I was on my leave after deployment, still getting a paycheck, so I didn't really have to work too much. Um, this was before I decided that I hated everything about mortgages. Yeah. I'm going to come back to that. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I, I started going out talking to some agents and a couple of them worked with investors and, you know, we started talking about how I had done a few flips and I'd be interested in maybe flips or rentals or whatever. Started looking at houses, um, bought a couple down there. Um, I believe before my divorce, I had eight rentals. Um, and the deal with the divorce was, she gets my lake house or she gets the rentals. Take them. Don't need them. I would much rather have my lake house. Yeah. You know, um, paid for. So it's an in, instant equity. And uh, she doesn't know shit about houses. She doesn't know how to work on them. Doesn't know how to collect rent. None of that shit. So I wasn't much worried about it. And later on, I bought them back. <laughs> At a discount? I had a big discount. Oh, wow. A little yeah, fist bump right great. there. Yeah, that's a little savage move right yep, there. Yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I bought them downtown Knoxville, pretty cheap, all in the same neighborhood. Um, you know, very minimal updates. Um, moved some renters in, hired somebody to keep track of all of it for me. And uh, shortly before I came back to Michigan full time, um, I was offered um, some rental cabins in Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area. Um, people were retired, wanted to sell all their all their rentals and move south. And, you know, so farther south, I guess, because I was going to say it's not yeah, far enough yeah. south. <laughs> we occasionally have a cold day. We're moving further yeah, south. Yeah, yeah. We had a snow day last year. Quarter That's inch. bullshit. <laughs> Florida, here I come. I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I ended up buying some rental cabins. I lost a, a few of them in the recent fires down there. Oh, that sucks, dude. Yeah, it does. But I got an insurance check coming. So okay, uh, that what they did insure for that. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. So so I'll I'll rebuild and um, keep renting, keep making money off of those. Um, 
Then I started seeing the $100 Detroit houses. Ooh. Can't pass that up. Oh, yeah. I got so many calls on that yeah. when I was doing that shit. I, yeah. I love those $100 houses until you find out there's also 5000 in back taxes, a yeah. $5,000 water bill. Or it's a burnout. A lot of those. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. oh, by the way, it's yeah. going to cost you fifteen grand to tear it down. Exactly. If you give me 100 bucks, you can do that. And you have to use our guy to tear it down. Yeah. I don't care that you have your own equipment and can do it. Yeah, Detroit is corrupt as yeah. fuck. Still corrupt. Oh, I can't yeah, wait till the land bank and all those people go down for I that. I hate the land bank. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> We're going to bond so much over yeah. barbecue and our mutual hate of land bank. And our mutual love of barbecue. <laughs> yeah, I love barbecue. I can't get enough. I smoke everything. That's yeah, getting the point. Let's go that. back to the, um, what did you not like about the mortgage industry? I'm just curious. It just seems like you would do well in that kind of position. So there must have been something. I, I did. I did great, actually. Um, you know, a, a lot. I focused on veterans and VA loans, and I focused on lakefront houses. See, that's awesome. Yeah, I had a real a real estate agent that only sold lakefront houses right across from me, and we all hopped on our boats, go down to the local marina, get drunk, and sell people houses. It worked out great. That sounds like an amazing business plan. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> and uh, the brokerage I was with was uh, 1% commission, you know, a million and a half dollar house. It's hard to beat. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That adds so, up. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess I just hated everything about it. I hated waiting to see if something was approved. I hated waiting on appraisals. You know, I... I hated every little piece of the mortgage game. Um, you know, that too many stupid ass rules that, you know, change something a little bit, which it is bound to change in the next month anyways on a new program. And this person has a house instead of sitting there, you know, still renting or homeless or living with family or whatever. Um, so I guess I hate people, hate telling people no, um, you know, in the position I'm in now, if, I know all my numbers and I know where I'm at all in on the house. Typically I pay for an appraisal after I rehab it. So I know what price point I need to be at and I know where I'm at all in. And if I have somebody that, you know, that's the perfect house for them and I need to bump 10 grand off the purchase price, I'm in a position I can do that most of the time, or I can, you know, cut it in half or, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I like somebody being able to get into that house and enjoy all my hard work. Yeah. It does. A lot of the mortgage stuff does seem arbitrary, especially from month to month. Right. 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 When it changes and like, Oh, you can't do this this month. And then all of a sudden the next month it's right. okay. Yeah. That could be a little frustrating. Um, well, I don't want to, I know it's kind of a, a, a crappy subject, but, uh, you got married and divorced. I'm assuming got married pretty young. Yes. Yep. Um, got married in 2012. I was 21 years old. Yeah, that's pretty young. Yeah, yeah. We were together about six years when we got married. That's a long time, though. What? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you probably weren't the best husband and she wasn't the best wife, but um, six years. So it's like your high school sweetheart or whatever. Eh, you know, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we went to different schools, um, you know met through mutual friends and and uh i had a place and she was looking to get out of you know she was wanting to leave the nest and and you know so it it made sense after that amount of time she moved in and and uh you know things were great and things seemed great while the money train was there and when i needed my time off after i got back and i needed to 
sit back and relax and decompress, right? Recalibrate yeah. everything. And, you know, the money wasn't rolling in as strong as it was. And, and I guess that's too much when you're used to a certain lifestyle. That's unfortunate, man. I'm sorry. It went that way. What do you think? Uh, what do you think you learned from that? You know? Well, I think, uh, you know, number one is you, you know, what you're able to handle in a relationship. You, know things that you did wrong or things that you could have done different. You spent a lot of time reflecting after, after that divorce and what you done and what you could have done differently. And, uh, you know, how maybe a move wasn't the best thing at the time that the move happened, or maybe, Hey, fuck it. I'm quitting my job and going back into investing full time. I don't care. That's what I want to do. Might not have been the best thing if you don't <laughs> both agree with it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it, it does need to go both ways. Right, um, right. What did what did so when you came back from Afghanistan? It, I didn't know you wanted to take a break. What made you want to take a break? Or walk us through because I don't think a lot of people understand necessarily. Like you watch the news, you read the stuff, and everybody's different too. So not everybody goes through the same thing. But I, I'm interested in this, and it sounds like you didn't necessarily get the space or time you needed to kind of like acclimatize well you know there's there's things um you know when, when you're in that environment number one it's it's um you know two completely different worlds it's different foods different temperatures different well i guess i was in the mountains both ways so um you're you're on a schedule you're 7500 miles away from where you just were um you know it's Everything about being in Afghanistan, it's a whole different world. You know, you have to constantly be on edge. You have to be cautious of every single person around you. Um, you know, you, you always have to watch your back. So when you come home, if you don't take that time, you're going to be the guy sitting with your back to the wall with your pistol in your lap, wondering who the fuck's coming in this restaurant. Yeah. That's probably not the best not person the best, to be, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely not. Um, and, and you know, there's, there's different things that you see over there, different things you encounter. Um, you know, an IED blast. If you're on the highway running 75 through central Kentucky and car next to you blows a tire and you have a flashback and you're on the side of a fucking mountain, you, you just need, you know, time to adjust. Um, there, there's a lot of things that you don't want to be the guy freaking out in the middle of a movie because there was a an explosion in the movie. So, so you need that time to sit back and and feel the grass, the fresh air. Um, anybody that's been out to Kandahar, the the poo pond out there, you know, <laughs> you're not smelling that anymore. So, you know. Um, the poo pond. Explain the poo pond. Now, you see, this is exactly the kind of stuff they don't put in the right, paper, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. so the 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 poo pond in Kandahar, um, it's it, it's basically that. It's all the shitters on base are pumped into this pond, and and uh, if you're anywhere near that base, you can smell that pond, and it's fucking terrible. What are they doing with this pond of shit, man? Well, I think they have a little fountain in it, and it looks pretty. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Apparently nothing, right? right yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yes, we're just gonna let maybe, say maybe here. fertilize or something. I, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. What I do you don't do see much pond? grass out there. A lot of uh, poppy seeds, though. Oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. yeah, that's another thing. If we just fucking legalized drugs, Afghanistan would be do great. a lot better, <laughs> yeah. right? How many wheat farmers were there versus pop? You know, opium farmers, basically. Well, I the the opiate farms were everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and. It was it was almost nice driving through as the seasons changed. And Pretty the flowers right. Flowers turn colors, and it's like, well, damn, Grandma should have a garden like that. It might not go well for her. No, not here, <laughs> <laughs> or there, depending on where you're at. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah. well, and, and the strange thing is, you never got shot at around those farms. No, that was almost like a safe haven for some reason. I wouldn't. Don't rock the boat, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Turns out we want to burn your farm, motherfucker, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't Ooh. think so. <laughs> no, yeah, like they, they're like, ah, be nice to these yeah. guys. They, uh, yeah, that that would not work out well. That man, we should totally legalize drugs. That would. I think a lot of people don't realize how devastatingly poor most of Afghanistan is and how most of them are substance farmers. Like yeah. they don't even, it doesn't even enter their, their mind. Right. What that means is they grow food to fucking barely live, barely, barely live. Um, like the average life. So Afghanistan is the worst place in the world to be a woman. The average life expectancy, I believe is 44 years and poppy seeds, and open cash crop. Oh, absolutely. Huge cash Huge. crop where they can actually do more than just barely survive. And I don't think people realize that. They just go, oh, look, they're drug dealers. They're, they're just not seeing the reality right. of the economic situation, right? right? Well, and it, it's, it's almost – you could almost get a good education, you know, if you're a farmer driving through their, their farming communities and – watching them hand dig a thousand foot deep well and hand pumping out and they have little channels run through their crops and they know exactly how much how many times they need to pump that hand pump to to get water all the way down a hundred acres to the back of their field. And they they're standing in a line and hand pump that damn thing all day from day to dark and and uh it's it's I mean the work ethic on them people. They have to have it. They'll die Dude, if they don't have that's it. That's amazing. Grab Besides all the crazy religious shit, that's the kind of person I like. Right? Yeah, definitely. That, that's a hardcore oh, motherfucker yeah, yeah, right there. Feed your family and all your fucking neighbors. What'd you do? I pumped water all, all day day. by hand after I dug a thousand foot exactly. well. What'd you do? Oh, you know, I was in the AC and I was thinking about shooting this big gun, yeah. but then I was like, fuck it. I'll have a rip it. <laughs> yeah, nine to five. My office, it was so grueling exactly. today. You know, I had to sit in this air conditioned building. I for had traffic hours. to deal with. One hour, one way. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's crazy. So when you came back, did you know ahead of time you need to decompress? Or is that a decision you made after you got back? They tell you that you need to, you know, that you have all these classes to desensitize you. And they're basically bullshit. And they're trying to kill you with PowerPoint, death by PowerPoint. <laughs> and, uh, you know. The it, Taliban didn't get me, now you did. Exactly. Now, now it's my turn, motherfuckers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's. It's um, one of those things that you don't really think about because you're still in that mindset. Like nothing can stop me. I don't need to slow down. I'm I'm doing great. I made it this far. And then you get home and you have one of those oh shit moments. Um, my I remember my specific oh shit moment. Um, 
my my house is 26 miles northeast of knoxville and got a bunch of little switchback hills and uh real sharp windy roads coming through the mountains to get into town and um I was going out to the VA in Knoxville for my first appointment just to make sure everything's all good. I got free health care. I might as well use it. And um, it's rainy, foggy. Um, it's about 530 in the morning. And I figure I better leave early because I don't know where I'm at, don't know where I'm going. And that far out, my GPS doesn't work. So I had to get into town before I even knew how far it was to get there. So... Damn, you're in the sticks out there. Oh, yeah, I love it. That's couldn't, beautiful. Couldn't be better. Yeah. And um, so we're coming around this sharp turn um, up the side of a mountain. Uh, one side is rocks. The other side is rocks down. And uh, I, I'm i seeing orange flashing lights in the fog. So I start slowing down. And I see a car on its side. And... I kind of had a little bit of a flashback to something I seen overseas going through this devil's elbow, you know, um, a, a local nationals truck was blown up and, and then, you know, you start seeing body parts scattered everywhere. So you think, Oh shit, I'm about to roll up on this. And, um, so we pull up just past it just so I can kind of see both sides of the vehicle, see what's going on. If anybody's in it, and uh, stopped the car, and I yelled to my wife to call the cops. After that, I start yelling to see if anybody's in the car, if they're okay. And she said, where should I tell them we're at? And I just flipped out. Fucking tell them we're right here. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and at that moment, after being such an asshole and, and a, a, I mean, a, a tense situation, um, you know, luckily, I, I climbed on top of the Jeep, had to break the window out and pull this older lady out and her husband and son came and, you know, towed the car off and whatever, um, just minor cuts and things. But, you know, I, I realized right then I, sh I could have handled that a hell of a lot better. And Wound a little too tight, right? Right, right. So yeah. I said, you know what, maybe I should come home, have a beer and not do anything. Sit on the porch, look at the water and don't do anything all day. That's exactly what I did. Mm, that was a good day too. Yeah, yeah. How'd you decide how many of those days you were, you, you had to have? I don't think there's really a set number. Um, <laughs> I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I I um basically I did much of nothing, boat and jet ski, fish. Um, you know, made friends with the neighbors and um, you know, tour all the local restaurants and little sightseeing places and um you know I, I spent three four weeks doing that and um then we tried to go to a movie and didn't really work out quite well so i said well something's got to change here and i started going to a counselor and, yeah you know it, it was the best thing um you know you kind of learn to figure out what's actually happening versus what you think's happening. Um, so, so that was nice. Um, it's amazingly difficult in the moment right, sometimes. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I, I was, I was never in war. I mean, that didn't fire a single shot in anger. I was on a submarine, but I came from a pretty terrible childhood. You could have fired a shot in anger there. I could have, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. That was my war, by right, the way. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to kill something from 1500 yeah, exactly. miles away, that's perfect distance. <laughs> Uh, but I had a pretty terrible childhood and, and in the experience it's so hard to separate these things right. out. But when you right. get with a professional, they just see things it, so much clearer. Yeah, yeah, You're it like, seems like it's 
night and day. How did I not right. see yeah, that? Yeah, right. Duh. Yeah. So yeah, it was, at first I didn't want to go. Yeah, I didn't well, want yeah. to. Nah, yeah. Of course, any of that they, shit. They, right. You need it. You know, that's that's the biggest part. Is like, oh fuck that. I'm not doing that. I don't need that shit. No. Yeah. Especially the military. It's such a manly yeah, exactly. culture, right? Yeah. You don't want to be a pussy. I just and... survived 370 fucking days. I that's don't need right. that bullshit. Taliban. I don't need no damn yeah. counselor. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> IEDs, but it really does help, yeah. right? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, it it, it really let you see things a little a little more clear and and realize what you're doing wrong because you're definitely doing something wrong <laughs> absolutely yeah did you um take your ex-wife with you to some of these or? uh yeah we um i i started doing mine individually um with through the va and i basically asked them if they could recommend someone that could help on the couple side of things i think that if we would have both seen the same person um that it might have conflicted things you know yeah. there's there's a lot of things in, in in a war situation that you don't necessarily want to share with your family or your significant others they start to look at you different um and there's a lot of things that they just will never understand because they haven't been there or done that and so we, and they don't want to know right exactly they don't one of your quotes i almost went with but i went with the more peaceful yeah. one is uh peaceful people sleep because there Violent are other men stand ready to do evil on their behalf absolutely yeah. and there's unfortunately um that's what jocko willink has some of the best stuff about war and just how nasty it is right. and no matter how good you try and be or how precise you try and be that war is hell and evil just by right. definition right you know, and you end up doing a lot of terrible things that are absolutely, sometimes absolutely necessary, sometimes right. mistakes and shouldn't even be done, but you couldn't help it do in the meantime. And people don't want to know that shit. Just look what they think every time somebody makes a mistake. Right. Well, and a, a big, a big separation is they think they want to know it. Um, then they know it. Right. Right. And, and, you know, um, we were on a cruise shortly after we got back and, there was a veterans meet and greet and, you know, they all brought their spouses and we're talking about experiences and, and she was pretty pissed off that, well, you don't even know these people and you spent four hours talking to them about your last 12 months and we haven't talked about it at all. So, well, there's a reason you don't want to know these things. Yeah. And I recommended a book to her. Um, it's called the good soldiers by David Finkel. Um, he deployed with a, an infantry battalion out of Fort Riley, Kansas, um, in Iraq during the initial surge. And he took very detailed notes. Um, he had copies of notes that soldiers were sending back and forth to their family. And, you know, it shows just how fucking gross it can actually oh, be. God, yeah. And that was our last discussion on why I did not discuss things with her. Yeah, she read the book, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah she and, didn't want to know, and it was it was it was done after that. It never came back up. Yeah, I don't. Just people have, especially Iraq. That talk about oh yeah, a yeah. shit show. Sunni and the Shia basically murdering each other for hundreds of years. Some maniac dictator can keep him from doing it for thirty five, forty, and then we come kill that motherfucker. Right? right? They hang him, <laughs> yep. and then all hell breaks on, loose. On TV. <laughs> yeah, then you got the Sunni and the Shia all hacking each other to death, blowing each other. That was I'm. I I don't even know what I would do in a situation like that. It's a nightmare. It's a yeah. damn nightmare. I can only imagine. I haven't read that book. I'm going to go check it it's out. Pretty good. He yeah. has a he has a new one out. Actually, I haven't read it yet. Um, I 
I have to download it or something because I can't find it in any damn bookstore, but it's called thank you for your service. And it's supposed to um, be related to PTSD and all the different things with coming home and the whole desensitizing and all that. So uh, that's my next to read list. How long after the counseling then things start to get a lot better for you or you notice that like things got better? I think with the counseling, it allowed me to kind of, notice triggers and environments that make me a little more tense and let me avoid those environments or those situations. Um, I think that if I were to jump back into those situations that I would be just as bad as I was, but I try to avoid that. Uh, that's good. So they, they help you like navigate. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Any improvement or just more like learning how to navigate it with time? There's probably improvement there. Um, You know, a lot of notice the situation, take a step back and breathe. It's not as bad as you think it is. And, and, you know, um, a lot of breathing exercises, some of them actually help. And, uh, but, but I think the majority of it was just navigating and knowing what situations don't work for you and avoiding them. Mm. Yeah, it could be, yeah, it could be challenging, man. It's a lot of trial and error, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It yeah. It's like, okay, that works. That doesn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bet that was frustrating too at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of it just always came back to the, I don't need to do this. I can handle it. I'm good. I carry, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not so much. When did the um, Allen Development Company, because that sounds like some interesting shit you were doing down there. Yeah. Like at yeah. some point you're like, I guess you decide I need to get out and do some shit, right? Right, right. So um, I bought the rental properties in Knoxville and, you know, shortly thereafter, I realized I just needed to be done with the mortgage part. And uh, I stepped away from that. Uh, one of my buddies is a uh, head chef of a big steak chain down in Knoxville. And um, we, you know, hunting, fishing, talking about life and, you know, where I started and all this. And he said, well, hey, my buddy is a superintendent at this construction company. Why don't you go talk to him? And we had a big cookout at his house and and there was a little bidding war on starting salary between an asshole. <laughs> <and him. And laughs> they won. So, you know, I went and started doing some work with them and, um, you know, up to that point, I had never messed with, uh, any type of concrete work. And, and we started tearing apart bridges. Uh, you know, we were the one bridge in particular, we were working over the top of a river, um, about 110 foot off the surface of the water. Um, and we, ripping them out two lanes at a time and resurfacing and, um, you know, all new structural steel, all that. Dude, that's some cool shit oh, right yeah, there. Yeah. And yeah. Then we had the bar. That's some manly shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we did that and we we're building retaining walls on the side of the highway. We were, um, you know, digging 10 foot into the ground and putting 72 inch concrete storm drains. And, and, you know, so I learned some new things there and, uh, I, probably four or five months into it um winter starting to come around and first round of layoffs are gonna come and i'm the fucking new guy and you're first I'm right first. that's how it goes. i'm okay with that though you know i i have skills i i'm a fighter i'm gonna survive regardless and uh so i went up there when they 
called everybody to see who they're going to lay off. And, and I said, Hey, I already know I'm gone. And so I, I left and, uh, started my own company, um, Allen development company. And that's, I started looking at doing some rehabs down there, but the market wasn't as strong at that point as it needed to be to start flipping. It was, it was solid to buy as a rental. Um, but to buy and flip houses down there still wasn't where it should, where I would have liked it to be. Um, so then the hundred dollar Detroit houses came about and boom. Yeah. yeah. What year was this, by the way? I'm uh, just this curious. was in 2014, November when I moved back. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and you know, so I, I moved back and, uh, bought a couple of houses, um, land bank houses, bunch of bastards. Yeah. How did that go, man? Oh, man, I hate the land bank. Um, it's I I okay. I never took part in the actual auction part of the land bank. I always did the buy it now houses. Yeah. Um seem much easier. I get a little hot headed. I'm competitive and I want to fucking win. So <laughs> if somebody's running a house up so because they want to live there forever. Fuck you. I want it. That's my house. I stayed away from it. It's good you <laughs> yeah, know they say yeah, so you're like, okay, yeah. I need not go to the auction. <laughs> yep. I need to do so, it another way. So I I, I bought a, a I had intended on buying multiple at once, but you can only buy one at a time. Pain in my ass. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I kind of put it on the back burner, um, you know, uh, figured out what it needed and, and, you know, figured I'd get to it later. Not a problem. So about two months go by, I start working on it, get it fixed up, um, you know, get certificate of occupancy and I sold it to someone else on a land contract. And, um, then I went and bought the second one and I was really going to put this one on the back burner. I didn't want to touch it for a few months. And then I find their little stipulation within a certain period of time, you have to have a a certificate of occupancy. And I didn't have that. So, that turned into a shit show, and I ended up selling it how it was. Never touched it. Lost money on it. Oh, course. that sucks, man. Yeah, yeah. I, but I mean, I paid thirty five hundred bucks for it, and I sold it for twenty five. So not that big. Of no, a deal. I I can deal with a thousand thousand dollar loss. So just annoying though. Yeah, yeah, it's a pain in my ass. Um, so that was pretty much my last dealings with the land bank. Um, you know, I started finding, you know, for sale by owner or, you know, tax auction, things like that downtown. And, um, I was buying them, getting in and out as cheap as possible and selling them on land contract. Um, I was doing real well with that for a while. I was only selling on land contract to, you know, just local residents or whatever. And, uh, I basically stopped doing that. Now I haven't done one in, um, almost a year. Um, no real reason, just haven't, run across one that seemed to work mm. um that i didn't have enough money into or to uh, as a, a little bit of money into it to where i could sell it at, at a land contract and you know basically just have that monthly income on it um how did you find the land contract buyers out of curiosity mostly just uh walking around dropping some notes here i got this house um craigslist i i for some reason i'm the only fucking guy that has success on craigslist posting houses um you know i say hey here's an ad i've got three houses i need 
a renter and then some, or I need to sell it. And someone, well, will you do a land contract? Sure. Um, now there's actually a few uh, Facebook groups dedicated to land contract properties um, on, on this part of Michigan. So I um, haven't tried that yet, but I see a lot of people posting and a lot of people getting responses. Um, I still find with where, you know, a lot of people have shitty credit and don't want to rent and they are always looking for a, a land contract. They got kids and don't want an apartment or whatever. And so it seems to work. A lot of people are looking for it. Um, you know, I probably did 10 or 12 land contracts and, uh, still collecting money on them. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any go bad or are they all working no, out so they, far? They've all worked out so far. Okay. Um, so, so I can't complain. That's a good, that's a good policy. Now you've got some interesting things you're working up towards, right? Like yes. we're talking before the podcast, you're thinking about some new construction projects, um, heading a different direction. Why don't you, why don't you walk us through some of that? Cause that sounds pretty interesting, man. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so I've, I've focused the last year quite a bit on Ipsy, Belleville, um, Willis, Sumter Township, that little area there. Um, it's been picking up. Um, I know a guy a couple of houses down from me, he bought the house at auction and um, he's got, I, I think he paid 19 for it and he's got maybe 15, 20 grand into it. And he hasn't had it appraised yet, but um, I know mine was just appraised at about 125, and he is—he has the same exact house. They're all cookie cutters. Um, the only thing he hasn't done is siding, so I, I would imagine he's somewhere pretty close. Um, so, so it's it's picking up. Um, there's a, a lot of empty lots for sale out there right now. Um, so, I'm looking to get into new construction. Um, I'm a little bit away from the conventional have all your material shipped and build it on site um i know some guys that have um a rather large facility in indiana in michigan city i was gonna say i need to hook you up yeah. with uh tommy desmond because i think i know where this is going right the prefab houses yes. yep we're we're prefabbing in their factory and, yeah uh, did you get uh, pre-approved and all that stuff are you on their um I think it's the same one. Which one do you go with? Or if oh, you rather not say, well, don't say. We're doing it ourselves. Oh, you're going to do it yourself. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not using an actual prefab company, um, but but we're- You're going to prefab it? Yes. Holy shit. How are you going to do that? Well- we, Would you know? <laughs> you're, like, you're like me. Fuck it. I decided to do it. I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to figure it out as I go. A little trial and error. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know of a few people in Tennessee that have done prefab log cabin kits. And they worked out pretty well, and I helped in, in the building process. So um, I'm gonna give it a try and see what happens. Uh, you know, the cost is uh, it's, it's unfucking real. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah. The, the just yeah, that's why they prefab, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, basically, um, you know, we we've got an engineer, and uh, you know, he, he's gonna get all the drawings and everything done. Um, I, I've got two floor plans right now. Both three bed, two bath. Ones uh, are and both have a two car attached garage. Um, one's twelve hundred and one's fifteen hundred square foot. And I'm 
I can build those out, one at 28,000, one at 29,000 delivered. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah that's what, exactly why. Yeah. This is the future, oh, I think. absolutely. Yeah. It's, Especially when they get, once they get those 3D building and they don't right. even need humans to yeah. do it anymore. They need a lot less humans because if we being honest, humans fuck everything oh, up yeah. 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 all the time. That, that's the biggest error. Yeah, skill trades, like all that stuff. And it's legislation with labor and everything. Right. That's where your weak point is, man. That's pretty amazing. When do you think you, you have an idea when you're going to break ground? Or? I, I'm going to aim to have my first one done, well, started in Ipsy. I'm going to pull permits next month. So I'm, I'm hoping in March I can break ground on the first one. And I'm going to get... I'll have it all dried in in about three weeks after the foundation's built. Um, and then from there, I'll, I'll probably get to where I just need to do um, maybe paint left and, and I'll uh, start building the second. Um, you know, I, I, I'll be all in right about 40 grand with foundation, with everything done. Um, Are you going to dig a basement or are you just going to put it on a slab? I'm, I'm going to put it on a crawl. On a crawl. Yep. Okay. Um, How'd you make that decision? Well, mostly just, just the price point right now. Yeah. Um, just trying to keep it cheap. Yeah. Well, once I get a few of them and, and I, you know, feel out the area and how quick they sell, then I might go with full basements. Um, the third lot that I'm going to put in offering on next week, um, that would be ideal for a basement. It's right at the edge of a subdivision and, they all have basements and it's on a double lot. Um, I expect, you know, probably another five, 10 grand for a full basement versus the crawl. Um, you know, the, the guy that does the work for me, he stacks all the block. He'll pour the concrete. He'll do everything. Um, he works cheap. He does great work. And, um, you know, I, I expect that one to sell about 180. Um, and that's an Ipsy also. So I expect, I'd like to do my first three in Ipsy, and then um, I might have mentioned that I, I stumbled across uh, 14 and a half acres in Ipsy that was pre-approved for 41 condos. They, you did mention it, they yeah. They had the uh, the floor or the the uh, plans for the road system already approved. They had it all set, ready to go. The sewer hookups, everything, and. Um, it, it, it's been on the market ever since it crashed and, and nobody's taken a hit at it. And now if my whole prefab game works out, then I'm going to prefab these condos and build them. That'd and, be cool. Yeah. That must've been a project that's been sitting for a long time. Yeah, it's huh? been sitting for a while. And, uh, they, uh, on the original plans that the township approved, they were, the price point was 140 to 190, depending on the floor plan you went with. So if I can, be all in on on one entire building for that and four units per building and sell them at 190 per unit that's a good little turnaround that's not too bad not yeah yeah these are that that'd be a big project though yeah, too oh, definitely, man yeah. yeah that'd be cool you also it looks like you're kind of doing like a heading towards your non. let's talk about your non-profit because i think that's interesting i'm also highly skeptical not of you just of non-profits in general from there's a lot of nasty ones out there the, yeah, and I had my run-in with more than my fair share trying to get shit done in Detroit. But I don't think that's necessarily mean it can't work. So kind of tell us about your nonprofit and what your idea is and kind of how you're trying to put something together that makes sense, right? All right, so my nonprofit is called A Hero's Home, and uh, we actually 
are working on our website right now. Um, I've been 501 um, for a year and three months now. Um, so basically, I've taken my love of getting my hands dirty and just fucking hammering out these houses. And, yeah. and uh, you know, all the home. there's 5,000 homeless veterans in Detroit. And, uh, you know, they don't have a car. They don't have food. You know, they're figuring out if they're going to get into the shelter that night. Um, and I've really have no system of going about it right now because there's not many ways to track down the one person you talked to last week by this coffee shop. Yeah, it's a pain. Um, I, I did that a lot of work with the yeah. homeless, and that's it's fucking impossible. Yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, I if I can find a house cheap enough and get the work done cheap enough um, – or if, say, I find a homeless veteran that was once employed with a construction company, um, you know, that, and I'll, you'll be surprised how many of them were in the construction industry before the market dropped and all these companies closed down and they lost their jobs. And ever since, you know, they've been homeless. Um, they, uh, I've had a few instances where I've had veterans come and, and work on the house with me and live there while we're working on it. And basically at the end of that, I just give them the house. Um, I've done t- 10 houses so far. Um, my my end goal is, um, like like you mentioned, I want to try to buy one of the old Detroit school buildings that's closed down and turn it into a facility, um, you know, essentially with the barrack-style housing um, in the interim anyways until the program's smoothed out to where we can bring them to a, appointments at the VA or bring outside doctors, counselors, whatever they need to our facility, you know, get them fed, get them essentially a, a live, work, play kind of deal where they'll they'll have a, a rec facility, gym, you know, uh, pool tables, whatever. They'll, they'll have a place to sleep, a place to eat, but they'll also have, um, you know, if you want to live here, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to attend these classes to work on your credit, to um, you know, work on budgeting to work on, um, you know, if, if we can find someone who wants to do on the job training, you know, you, you have to attend their safety classes. You want to get OSHA certified. We can get you to that kind of training. If, you know, if you want to go back to school and be a phlebotomist, you don't know how to get your, your, um, GI bill, We'll we'll sit down with somebody. We'll get somebody from the DAV or wherever and figure it out for you and help you get to where you want to go to where you can eventually come and buy one of these houses with us and work on this house and move that veteran and their family into this house that they worked on that, you know, um, we were. We're, we're forming a partnership with the, they call it the DESC, the Detroit Employment Solutions Corporation. It's Detroit's branch of Michigan Works. And the the amount of available jobs they have um, that hire specifically veterans um, that is really underutilized and undermarketed in the city. Um, you know, they. This is my lack of shock and awe, right? Like, yeah, just, yeah. yeah, no, no shit, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, like Quicken Loans has a huge veterans hiring program, and they have 10 
job recruiters specifically focused towards hiring veterans and um you know so so anybody that we can get these guys back on their feet back as a functional member of society and what's even better is if we put them in one of our properties it's essentially a little more added security to the neighborhood they have that pride working on that house and they don't want anybody to fuck it up and you know essentially it's a security guard living on your street yeah and i'm likely to trust a vet way more than everybody else maybe because i am one you know but i I just know right what made you want to do this man because it's first of all paperwork government i fucking hate them that sounds like a miserable thing but obviously it's a problem miserable but i I love it It, it's a huge problem um you know you you can't go anywhere um especially in detroit and not see a homeless person and more importantly a homeless veteran you know having that veteran connection you know maybe if i never served i would have probably focused solely on homeless people but because I have that, because I was in a position where I knew soldiers who came home and didn't have a job and were worried about how they were going to pay that next house payment or pay their rent or feed their dog or feed their kids or give their kids a Christmas. Um, you know, I, I have that connection and, you know, that love for those people who sacrificed. And if I'm able to give something back and help them get back to where they want to be, where they should be in society to the level they should be. Um, I'm going to do it as long as my bills are paid. I'm fed. My family's taken care of. The rest is all extra. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of work, man, though. Definitely. That's going to be a crazy amount of work, especially with government. Oh yeah. I wish you the best of luck on that. Um, what do you think that's going to, I mean, do you have a timeline or, you know, it's, uh, the the worst part with with the goal of the old school building is getting an offer approved by the school board because yeah. even though they are dirt they're not selling it for dirt no they not. want top dollar prices and 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 that's not worth that so um you know so far that's been the biggest obstacle because i've seen two buildings that i wouldn't have minded having but their price was their price even though it says make an offer yeah, no, I don't think they want to sell them. Actually, no, they don't. They yeah. don't. It's it's an asset. Yeah, they, they, a well, running I asset. I don't think they want competition either. They no. don't want to sell to other schools. They they just I I can't stand the Detroit public school system. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, eventually they'll have to bulldoze it. Yeah, well, I can't wait till they're gone forever because yeah. uh, I don't know anybody who's. I hold them responsible for what happened to a lot of the children of Detroit oh, for multiple generations yeah, now. And they, and they fucked up and they failed and kids can't read and they're not prepared. And now they're even worse than ever before. And yeah, blaming everybody else exactly, for their problems yeah, too. Yeah. yeah not, and, and, and looking for that government handout. Meanwhile, kids can't read. Kids can't add. Kids can't do anything. Right. They're not prepared for jobs. And oh, what was me? I remember the Charlie when he was on Fox 2, uh, Ladoffin came by and counted the number of Mercedes in Detroit. Right. Yeah, yeah, that pretty much sums up Detroit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think they want to sell. I don't know how you can get them to sell either. Like, just, Come in with what they want. Um, make a friend on the school board. Yeah, That's make pretty, a friend on the school it. board. Yeah, you know, it, It's all about who you know, really. That's Detroit. Yeah. yeah. It's like Chicago, but dumber and yeah. cheaper. That's, <laughs> I said it, not you. Yeah. You would never believe that. And Less it's not, windows. Oh, and by the way, you said it at the beginning. Don't sue me either. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, don't fucking sue me. All right, no suing. Yeah. just go listen to something else. You butt hurt. Right, go go do something else. That's gonna be. Yeah, I don't know how you get that done, man. It'd be cool if you could get it done. Yeah, um, you know it, it's it's a big goal, but um, 
the number of people it would help and the number of old shitty houses and i believe it would even affect the crime rate um you know like i said that's that's security guard on your street essentially hell yeah a trained yeah security guard yeah and the the most fearsome best army in the damn world exactly yeah all you gotta do is look at the numbers and see how one-sided they are which is exactly everybody bitches about that isn't that the point? People want to bitch about everything. So yeah, okay. So yeah. should we have as many guys die as we kill? What, what the fuck sense does that make? Right. The whole point is yeah. to make it exactly. lopsided yeah. one yeah. way. We don't want as many of our guys dead as we've killed of theirs. That's pretty. This is simple <laughs> math. I'll never understand. Yeah. Like, well, it's just so disproportionate. Yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't World War II have been better too if it'd yeah. been disproportionate? <laughs> more dead Nazis, less dead allies. Exactly. More dead communists, less dead allies. Come on, just these fuck morons if you have to do it if you have to do it how i don't know how you're gonna find and screen these vets too i don't know either yeah i like that you're yeah. like i don't know you i'm know, open uh, um you know right right now so um we we recently put out um an email address housing at a heroes home.org and we've had a few pe- people reach out um you know just Hey, we seen a homeless veteran um, outside this restaurant. Uh, we we bought him a meal. Maybe you can help. Um, you know, it's pretty slow rollout because I don't have the website. I don't have you know m- m- many marketing dollars into it because I don't have that facility right now. Um, so right now, what I'm doing is continuing to take them in and find a house and you know rehab it together to where they can live there with you know the stipulation is they're sober no 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 alcohol no drugs um and and you know basically that watch out for crime on the street you know this is your neighborhood once you're living there yeah be a good neighbor Um, basically right right? be a good homeowner and a good neighborhood or neighbor that's gonna be a challenging thing to do man you know if there's something i could do to help just let me know i'm not i'm not very good at a lot of it but some stuff i i think i could probably help with okay Leave me out of the government and the paperwork. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst part. <laughs> that's you could outsource that to yeah. somebody else. I don't. I don't want to deal with. It. I don't even deal with Section Eight that, or anything that, anymore. That's something I don't mind paying someone to do. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're good at paperwork, give me a call. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, who would be? I mean, is there? I mean, I have a thousand people listen to this podcast, so it's not exactly some fucking enormous right, thing, right. right? But if somebody was listening, if the perfect person was listening to help you on this. Um, what would be your pitch? What would you, what would you be your ask? Whoever that perfect person is, you know, um, somebody that has the same love to help the veterans. Um, you know, don't, I, I I do not want somebody that really doesn't give a shit and just needs a paycheck. Somebody that genuinely cares, that genuinely wants to help that can, you know, be in our ideal facility and, see someone sitting in a corner by themselves while everyone else is playing pool, watching a game, you know, reading a book and, and, and sees them off to himself and goes up and says, Hey, what's wrong? Um, you know, so somebody that, that truly cares and wants to help, um, you know, somebody that lives off their parents and is getting cut off and they, you know, need gas or need money to go to the bar. That that's not the person that I want because they don't have that connection. They don't, they don't really want to be there. They, they have to be there. Um, so, so somebody that actually 
wants, you know, wants to help, wants to make a difference. Um, because as many people as I have, well, I, as few people as I have helped, it, it does make a difference. Um, you know, that, that allows them to reconnect with their family to their kids are able to move in with them. They're, they're able to start living that normal life and, and be stable again. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be a challenging thing. What do you think about urban farming? I might be able to help in that department. I don't know. Throwing it out there. You know, I'm, I know Tyson Gersh too of, I think they call it Muffy, Michigan, whatever it's downtown or not downtown, but midtown. I I've, um, <coughs> I've heard a lot of talk recently about the, this whole green roof thing. And, and, you know, I'm not much on, you know, the whole farming growing thing. Um, you know, a, a good buddy of mine is a, is a chef. He just moved up from, uh, Miami. He was a chef down there. And, uh, so he's, kind of working with me to design essentially rooftop greenhouses um, with their own watering system, rainwater collection, all that. Um, so, so we're ideally a, a large reason why we'd like to be in a facility of that size is for the, the roof space. So we can grow on the roof and cook that in the kitchen. Let me, I need to hook you up with Tyson Gersh. He's, okay. he's a young dude. He's, I think he's even a little younger than you. Um, cool guy, got a big urban farm, really connected, totally into the neighborhood thing too. Okay. Like, I mean, the guy's deep in and he has decent connections to government too. You guys might be able That's to, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if maybe scratch an itch or help each other. Or at least I think you guys would get along right, and be right. able to any of that urban farming thing. He's deep in. I do a fair amount of urban farming, but just for myself, it's okay. like a, I got a hobby farm in Detroit. It's like right. a little less than an acre that, um, I farm. So if anything I could do to help out there. So. Um, next segment, call this like the success or the habits or things that you think have been helpful. And that could either be routines, diet, supplements, books, podcasts, movies, people, whatever you think has helped contribute to any bit of your success and have helped out. Obviously you already mentioned one book earlier that um, you thought would be helpful, but anything along those lines that you would like to share, I, this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast, okay. right? We like compare notes right, on shit, right. right? Well, the biggest lifeline really to date has been the, the Metro Detroit real estate investors group. Boom. Anything I've needed, I pull out my phone or my laptop that either one's always in front of me say, Hey, this is what I need. And within minutes, you've got a flood of responses coming in. Those guys on there are great. And if you're investing in this area and you're not on there, you should be. You're fucking up. You are. And that's Tom Otterman and Aaron Yates group. It's fucking fantastic. Oh, it's one of my favorite. I, I, I've missed the last two, unfortunately, because of emergency situations. But I love them. Yeah. I, I uh, you know, a month or so back, um, I had bought a house, needed a foundation. Um, I said, hey, guys, who does good foundation? I had three responses. All three guys come out and gave me a bid to lift this entire old two-story fucking massive 5,000-square-foot house and, uh, you know, had the foundation replaced. You know, one guy was just completely fucking unrealistic on his time frame. But, uh, you know, if I need somebody, um, if I think I'm paying too much for a window, I get on there and say, hey, guys, um, what are you paying for windows? Who are you going through? 
and they usually suggest the same company. And uh, yeah, you know, that happens everybody a lot. starts using yeah. the same people. And, but, but, you know, that's, that's great. a good thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, we you, want to keep these guys exactly, working if yeah. they're doing a good service at a yeah. good price. Well, right? And it also helps you weed out all the, you know, fucktards out there. There's so many, dude. <laughs> I don't know what it is about general contracting and the skills yeah. trades. It is a sea of ass clownery as far as the eye can see. I've been ripped off so many fucking times. It just, I don't want to tell too many stories about that shit. I try not to think about it. The the hundreds of thousands of dollars been stolen from you by contractors. off when you start thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, God. So mad. But that's just a tuition, right? Right. right. Tuition, unfortunately. I wish there was a Facebook. That's, do I get to do my old man rant? Yeah, when I started my career, there was no Facebook groups. This is an amazing resource. Oh, it's great. I'm going to put the link in the description. It's the Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors Group. Go. It's on Facebook. They have a monthly meeting, too, that varies. They hold it in different places. And it's not like a meeting like any other place. It's just you get together, you network, you eat some food, you drink some beers, and you hang out. It's really fun. And like Billy was saying, it's, it's a great group. I, you can ask for recommendations all the time. I always get amazing recommendations. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've haven't had any lead that hasn't been competitive at least. Yeah. And it's just a fun way to do it. What else? Anything else? Um, you know, I get up in the morning, take my dogs out back inside and I'm on my laptop. I'm on the phone. I'm at the coffee shop, you know, passing out business cards, meeting as many people that's even somewhat close to the industry. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for people that are, you know, putting those posts in search of a house, in search of a rental, in search of a land contract, because if I can connect with you and I know someone or I can provide that in the time frame that you that you need it, it's a connection and it's a deal. And I was uh, about two weeks ago, I was sitting at uh, Tim Hortons in Belleville and uh, I was online, you know, looking at houses. I, I do a little CAD work also for my own houses and uh, I had this uh, this little floor plan I was working on, and I had a husband and wife come up and say they were looking for their first house. Did I know anybody? And uh, I work with a um, one real estate agent out of Ann Arbor, and he works Ipsy, Ann Arbor, Willis. That Do you like him? Oh, yeah. yeah. What's his name? His name's Tim Snyder with Remax Platinum. There you go. See, yeah. we, we want the good guys right, right, to yeah. get out, yeah, right? Yeah, he um, – um, so, you know, I – Asked them what they were looking for. They kind of explained it. They told me what area they were looking for. And I said, you know what? Let me call this guy right now and set him up a meeting. And he's been showing him houses all week. Boom. Just like that. So, uh, you know, any, any networking event, um, you know, it's even if it's not a real estate investors group, I, um, you know, down in, down in Knoxville, I go to the, um, local real estate association meetings all the time when they have networking events, I'll go out, have some beers, meet all the agents because they might know of the damn lead. That's going to make me a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. You're big in the networking then yeah, too, definitely. right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge networker. I love to network. I just like meeting people too. Yeah. Frankly, it's fun to get new stories. So anything else? No, I I think that's it. Just just hitting the streets. Um, I logged a lot of miles on my car. Um, you know, I bought it brand new in 2012, and it it sat for an entire year while I was gone. And six months after that, while I was traveling the country, and and uh, you know, I hit a hundred thousand miles on it a few days ago. So boom. Uh, you know, I'm I'm logging miles all the time. I'm you know I'm in different states. I I'm in Toledo all the time. I'm in Indiana. I'm in uh, Tennessee. I'm in 
Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Ohio. I'm I'm all over the place looking for houses. I don't stick to one area. You're like a Rolling Stone man. Yeah, yeah, yeah you like much. to move. Yeah. yeah, I was the same way. I I like action. I'm, yeah, if I'm like not doing, doing something. I'm not feeling like it. You know, I want to I want to make some damn progress, exactly. which usually involves movement of yes. some sort. Doing can't, something. Can't get much done sitting on the couch. No, you can't. As I said as it is. <laughs> yeah, and at least not in a real estate business, right. like to get shit done. Yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? And it could be anything. You have a pitch, you got just anything you want, put well, it out there. Just another little story. Um, you mentioned at the beginning in my little bio um, that I had bought 60 houses. Yeah. For, how did I forget about that? Yeah. See? Thank yeah. you. Thank so, you. Uh, Failing at my job here, aren't there, I? There's a, a wholesaling <laughs> company called Property Source. Um, they're kind of a pain in the ass, hard to get a hold of. They want your whole fucking life story before they'll even give you a goddamn list of what they have. But they always claim, even when you get a list and they have 10 houses, that they have 250 houses. Always claim it. Um, mostly full of shit. Uh, but um, I, I, they, they buy a lot at auctions, um, which I guess I wouldn't really call that wholesaling um, when they're buying them and paying cost and then reselling. Um, but they... Uh, they made me a deal I just couldn't walk away from. And uh, they were going to, you know, make sure that all the all the back tax issues were cleared up. And they sent me a list of houses with all the addresses and all this. And I didn't care about none of it. The price point per door was less than a thousand bucks on 60 houses. And I believe I bought them on Thursday. I posted an ad in the Metro Detroit real estate group on Friday evening and I was heading out of town. I posted that I had 60 houses looking to sell, that I wasn't going to do any work to them. I didn't know what condition they were in. I was just getting rid of them and that I was getting on the highway right then, hopped on the highway and I had about a four hour trip. And by the time I got where I was staying that night, I had probably 10 responses, send me the list, send me the list. Here's my email. So I get on there the next morning and say, I'll be home tomorrow night, which is Sunday. I'll send all of you the list. Before I made it back, I had a full price offer on what I was asking on every single house, and I profited 3500 per door. Boom. Damn. That's a good payday. Worked out pretty well. Hell yeah. You didn't even see them, right? Were these yeah. on warranty deeds or quick claim deeds? Warranty deeds. Yeah. Damn. Where were these houses at? They were in Detroit, believe it or not. Damn. Yeah. Were any of them good or you, you don't know? No idea. No fuck. Not my problem. Uh, the email I, I was given with the list of the property all had thumbnail pictures and you know, click the link and check it out. I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't wasn't going to do anything with them. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically just... On a whim, bought a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I had I had money sitting around, and I figured at the price point I got them, I could make money off of them, regardless what I did. Do you know what the person who bought them did with them? Or I have no idea. No idea. Nope. Nope. Cool. Out of Pennsylvania. That's a kind. That's yeah. kind of a cool story, yeah. man. It I like that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I did sixty-seven once. Didn't profit that much. Wish I would have. Yeah, yeah I didn't do that well. That I bought sight unseen from a anyway. 
fucking shitty nonprofit. Sight unseen is always great. Yeah, sight unseen, shitty nonprofit. Probably why I didn't make as much yeah. money. All on quick claim deeds right, though, with right. back tackles oh, and shit. So it was all it was a fucking all mess. Kind of yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like never again, yeah. right? I did make a little bit of money, but yeah, no, not like that's a much better story. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, it turned out great. Fuck yeah. 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 It couldn't have barbecue been time. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, how'd you get into barbecue? You know, I um when I first moved out, um, I, I was working for my aunt's catering company and, you know, mom, I love you, but you're not the best cook. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Real talk here. Yeah. I did a lot of cooking for myself and, and working at the catering company, I learned to cook pretty well. Um, it was in bulk. So, you know, that worked out for me a little bit i like bulk yeah, yeah. yeah. you see so, what i do yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um you know i was i was always cooking um you know it was it was typically italian dishes um and then when i would go south with family for the weekend uh, you know riding four-wheelers or whatever they always had their barbecues out and you know smoking chicken smoking ribs whatever loved it and uh I said, well, fuck it. I got a little money. I'll buy this little barbecue here. And a uh, little electric barbecue or a little electric master built smoker gets the job done for now. But uh, there's a guy out in Texas I've heard that hand makes these big trailer smokers, big badass smokers. Don't tell me this. I don't need to know this. Well, about 5500 bucks, and I'll have my next That's one. it? Yeah, it's not too bad. That's... I'll, I'll get you his link. He makes some pretty nice you're, shit. You're going to fuck up my yeah, life, man. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> I get a trailer. I could drive somewhere exactly. with this thing. Yeah, take it anywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. You saw mine, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, my uh, good friend Nick Mosel. Shout out, man. Him and his dad built that badass That's thing. nice. I bought that thing for 1500 no bucks, shit. man. Yeah, They just, well, I think I've been, I've been chasing them down for a couple of years because I knew they built it and they had it. They just didn't use it that much. I'm like, if you ever sell it, I'll buy First it, shot. and I don't, I don't care what you want. And they just said, uh, you know, do you think fifteen hundred is fair? Absolutely. I just about shit my pants. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you, you got. I think they just wanted to have a good oh, home. Yeah. yeah right. I just I use the fuck out of yeah. it all the time. So like, yeah, that's I can put it on a trailer, but it's not right on yeah, a trailer. Well, and this guy will even deliver it for you. Hmm. Man, this is dangerous. Then yes. again, I like a road trip, so Texas didn't sound too bad. So I was like, well. He requires like a two hundred dollar deposit because he knows that once he builds it, if you don't buy it, someone else will. Yeah, that's not a bad deposit. <laughs> yeah, yeah somebody else is going to buy it. Yeah. yeah, send me that link, man. I so, will do. What's your favorite thing to smoke? By the way, when I got you here, anything pork. I like pulled pork and ribs. That's my favorite two mm. things. But uh, you did that pumpkin pie, and I'm going to need that recipe. Oh yeah, dude, that turned <laughs> that out good. Delicious. Oh man, you know what turned out better though? This is just going to throw you. So I did. Uh, I smoked pumpkin bread. Really. And I did banana bread. Oh, my God. Sounds pretty good. It's pretty yeah. savage, man. I, and the lemon meringue I smoked, too, in there, that, that turned out remarkably well I as well. I did about 15 pounds of smoked chili a couple of weeks ago. That turned out pretty damn good. Hell, yeah. I did a smoked chili. Not 15 pounds, though. I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. You're yeah, like, the, the, more. The roll of beef was about as big <laughs> as my leg. <laughs> it's going to be a big pot. Yeah. 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 Was, I didn't think the smoker was going to handle that weight. But, man, I had to worry about the pan giving out first. <laughs> yeah. That's an aggressive yeah. smoking strategy, you have there sir but i you know i i give the food away you know family friends neighbors whatever it's so much fun if they're hungry come get it <laughs> yeah smoke mangoes mangoes plums and uh peaches it, it sounds crazy in fact you know what i have one up 
and my lunch. I'll give really? it to you. Yeah, I didn't eat. I didn't end up eating it today. I'll send it home with you. Okay. You can take it home. Let me know Sounds what you think. Good. It's re- damn good. Melons. Don't smoke melons. That shit did not <laughs> fucking work out, man. That was a. That's, there's been some misses, yeah. but that was like. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what I was thinking. It turned out so poorly. So. Well, I mean, again, trial and error. You don't know that you fucked up until you actually fuck. Oh up. yeah, that was bad. Like it just no, it was tasted terrible. So I have Project Smoke Everything. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what I'm I'm systematically going through and smoking everything. So. Anything else? Before no, we go, I think that's it. I really appreciate your time today, Billy. Folks, I highly recommend you go check them out. All right. So, got a bunch of stuff here. You can give them a call, 865 686 2313. You can also send him an email. Um, he goes by Billy, but send him an email, William at allendevelopmentco.com. And of course, that's a website too. Go on allendevelopmentco.com, facebook.com forward slash Allen development CEO. And if you want to do any veterans work and you're really passionate about that in the city of Detroit or anywhere, I, he seems like he travels, just reach out to him, man. That'd be a cool thing to do. And you can also check him out on LinkedIn. I'm um, going to search W J A L L. Yeah. W J A L L E N junior. Check him out. Really cool. Really appreciate your time today, sir. Not a problem. Thank it you. was awesome. Folks. If you enjoy this podcast, Hook a brother up, man. If you haven't already, go rate and review on iTunes. Also, share this podcast. It takes time out of Billy's day to come out and do this. He has other shit he could be doing. He could be smoking meats, and I had making to walk deals. A block to get here. He had to walk a whole block to get here. So share this so we can see you sharing it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let's get this out there. It really does help. And uh, frankly, man, let's make it worth his while. All right. So, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, go to Renegade Detroit. If you want to attend any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. If you go to those two places, you'll never miss a meeting. All right. You can hook me. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. I'm on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess. And of course, you go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I don't know if you've been watching this shit show. I don't know you get a feeling like uh, everything's being well-run and well-managed, right? <clears throat> no. So how about you to step up, take some responsibility? I know. Maybe you had a bad start in life. You made some mistakes. You got off the path. Pick a goal. Stick with it. Do something every day that gets you closer, even if it's one step. And I want to thank you for listening. I really appreciate your attention. I know you could be doing lots of other things right now. And until the next podcast, crush it.